Welcome to the Curiosity Key Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Wyman, and I'm a B2B marketing strategist, LinkedIn specialist, and curious thinking advocate. So what is curious thinking? Well, I believe that when you approach your business and your marketing by being a little bit more curious about what's going on around you, you'll enjoy what you're doing, engage more with others around you, learn more, and be able to grow faster. It's not just about asking more questions either. It's about asking the right questions that will unlock all the potential opportunities around you. And this podcast aims to help you learn from other curious thinkers about how you can grow your business, get your idea off the ground, pioneer change and more. This week's guest is Tim Wade. He's a global motivational speaker on leading change and increasing motivation. In this episode, Tim and I talk about how to motivate both your team and your customers around what you're doing, tips and techniques about being more productive and getting more done, and how to increase the impact that you're making with your business. This episode was so much fun to record once we overcame lots of tech challenges and time zone differences. Tim's based in Singapore and I'm in sunny Nottingham in the UK. If you're listening on the go, don't panic about taking notes as I've summarized all the key points from this interview, which are now available in the show notes on my website. Just head to charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. And I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast. And I'm joined with Tim Wade. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's nice to finally get this going. Uh, if you sound, if you well, if you sound, if you hear any kind of frustrations in our voices, it's because this must be in take fifty or something crazy like that. Which is why I look like an umpalumpa with the orange lights, um, and which is why we're kind of speeding through this section. But I uh, was curious to learn a little bit more about Tim on this podcast because I saw Tim remotely present at a conference I went to um, a few months ago, which was all about carbon offsetting, which is not usually the sort of thing that Tim talks about. But I was intrigued to learn a bit more about what Tim usually talks about on stage and also about his story, how he got into it, so that maybe we can inspire some more people to get up on stage and talk about what it is that they love and do more that way. So Tim, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and also why you do what you do. Great. Thank you. Um, Look, I mean, Leah, like you said, I don't usually talk about carbon offsetting. That was the second time I actually presented that. What I usually do is I talk about change, I talk about leadership, and I talk about motivation, and I'm hired by organizations to come in and speak uh, on stage to either their employees, their clients, uh, or their distributors, and there could be 150 people in the room at some off-site somewhere in Asia, uh, or there could be 10,000 people in the room for some sort of rah-rah session, and so uh, that's, what, that's what I usually do. That's what I usually do. The other thing is I sometimes go in and I do management development programs or take uh, organizations through change management and, and helping their people embrace and lead change. Uh, so that's kind of what I do. The reason why I got into that was because I was working in corporate and we were going through lots of change. And I would, uh, and then I was working in, I was working for a consulting firm, which took me from living in Australia to living in Hong Kong. And while living in Hong Kong, I was engaged to go and speak at a conference in Manila, in the Philippines, as the consultant expert. And I thought, well, this is nice. I kind of like doing the speaking on stage part. And I kind of realized there's a bit of an industry that people actually do this for a living. 
rather than, you know, they speak on stage and then they go and implement everything. So I then investigated that a little bit more after I moved to Singapore. I was still consulting when I moved to Singapore. And then when that consulting gig finished, they wanted me to stay on another year. And I said, actually, I'll move my company to Singapore now. Let's start it through there. And during my consulting, I do a lot of training, a lot of speaking, presenting. And now I kind of just do only that part for a living for organizations as well. So yeah, and I, I enjoy it. And a bit, so I've been running my own business for the best part of 13 years in this current iteration. Oh, 10, 10 to 13 years in it. There was a few iterations before we got to the current one. And I uh, was, yeah, was, I, had, I had my own business in Australia for a little while before I went into corporate. Uh, so yeah, so I was a small business, then went into corporate, then came back into small business serving corporate. Love it. So on that, one of, one of my favorite interview questions when I used to work for a small business in recruitment was, what do you feel is the difference between working for a small business where, um, versus working for a large organization or a corporate organization? So what, what are your thoughts on that based on your experience? Mine is when you're working for a small organization and you're dealing with a large organization, you can speak to anyone in that large organization. But when you work in the large organization, you're pigeonholed in a hierarchy and nobody above you listens and everybody below you wants to get you to do something and you're trapped in the middle. And I think by being an external to that organization, you can have a, a lot more influence as a small business owner or a small business employee to, to, to uh, empower and inspire change or to advise on change in the larger organizations because the CEO in the large organization might listen to you. But if you're working in that organization, there'd be like 12 levels in between you and you, you don't have access to them. It's, it's weird. It's wrong. And the weird thing is, I mean, as a consultant going in, the, 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 the leadership team might go, look, there's something wrong with our organization consultant. And I go, oh, okay, so tell me about it. Well, we want this and this and this to happen. And I go, okay, well, you know, let me lose for a little while. And you go right down to the bottom of the organization and go, what seems to be the problem? They go, this, this is the problem. Here's how you fix it. Just somebody up there needs to fix it. You go back and tell the, the guys at the top, they go, oh, that's really interesting. Thanks. Uh, you know, here's vast sums of money. And <laughs> if they would just listen to the people in their own organization, they could fix a lot of the problems. They just need to open up the communication channels. You know, and that the same applies when you're running a smaller business, especially as that business is scaling that's when those communication challenges are going to start appearing. Uh, I used to work in public sector many, many years ago. And yeah, I love working for small businesses because you can just implement change so much faster. You can achieve so much, so much faster. And also you can get everybody um, involved in what it is that you're doing, meaning that you know everybody's bought into what it is that you're doing, meaning that there's less resistance, which is always fun. Um, probably because probably you're talking to everybody going, guys, what do you think? And they go, I think we should, yeah, actually, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Shall we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, all for one, one for all, hurrah. And then everyone does it. <laughs> yeah. The other one is just like, you came up with a better idea than me. Therefore, I have to get my revenge on you. And it's all ridiculous. Yeah, it's just, yeah, not, not for me, but I do, yeah, small businesses have the power to do so much. Um, and it, I do find it still quite uh, remarkable how many small businesses don't involve the whole team. You know, they don't communicate. And I know I used to work for a small business that, that was at that. You know, we, we got some consultants involved. You know, they came in and they're like, you know what, you guys need to talk to one another. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we all sit in the same room. Of course, that's the answer. Um, but it is so true. So many companies don't seem to talk to each other, even though they're in the same room, which is very, very bizarre. Yeah, which means you just need a couple of people who are 
they, they don't have to be the leader. It's good if it's a leader, but if the leader doesn't want to do that because the leader is a, an expert in whatever they're an expert in, uh, they, it's almost like they need to give public permission to somebody else to go, guys, we need to get everyone together so that it's not somebody sort of being too big for their boots. It's because the leader says, you know, John over there has permission to call everybody together to have a communication confab when, we, when he thinks and we all think we really need to have one because I'm going to be too busy working in my business to do this. So guys, John calls it, let's all get together and have this meeting. You know, that could be one way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, John's power hungry, they'll be calling meetings every second minute. But, but, you know, that could be a way to do it. But the other way to do it is to just recognize the fact that we need to, we need to check in with our people a bit more frequently. Absolutely. And, and it needs to then there needs to be a nice balance between one to many and one to one. Uh, so one of the things I do when I'm I'm doing the management development programs. So there's a program I've been running in Saudi Arabia since 2012, and I'm I'm doing a management development program for the uh, high potential for managers or specialists that have been in their jobs for about five to seven years, and they're now taking on a bigger piece of responsibility. Uh, they're leading more people and those guys are coming to these training programs. And one of the things there is how do we lead these groups of people? And if you've got a business, for example, that's just grown from three or four people when you're all sitting around one big table working together to now having 20 people and 30 people in your business and you're losing that sort of that chattiness, that, that family sort of culture, that, that, that small team sort of vibrancy and now you've got a bit more people issues bringing in these couple of skills is, is really important. And, and the simplest one in the world, apart from team meetings, which is one to many, and a couple of uh, extra, extroverts will speak and everyone else will be quiet, um, is, to, is something called Rule 15. And Rule 15 is simply, it sounds, it sounds, it's probably simpler than that, but Rule 15 is make it a rule that every week you spend 15 minutes with each of your direct reports one-on-one. -on -one having a bit of a chat. So now if you've got 30 people in your group, probably not all of them are your direct reports. If you're running a really flat organization and that is the case, then you might, then 15 minutes per person per week is going to be most of your week. Uh, but you're, but the thing is you've got, you know, 15 minutes is easy. Go and get a cup of coffee, sit down with them, go, Hey, how are things going? And you can do a whole bunch of things in 15 minutes. If you know that you're doing this every week, for 15 minutes, you don't have to cover everything in the first session. You just, you know, one session could be on mentoring. Uh, like, here's how you do something. Another one could be training. Another one could be, how are you going with the project? Another one could be, give me an update. Another one could be, hey, how's your family? I heard your dad was sick. You know, it could be, could be anything, but those sorts of conversations build trust, they build openness, and then people go, I'm going to tell them the truth about what's happening over there so that as a leader, you can then remove the obstacle. I know you didn't ask that question, but that's. No, it's, it's so, so important to do that as well. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they go in and, and they do this with uh, sales and marketing as well. In, in fact, they do this in all aspects of the business. It's that they try to address everything all at once. So they go into a 15 minute meeting and they're just like, right, okay, here's an agenda of about 10 different things I want to cover here. Let's go through them all together. And then you get frustrated because you can't cover them all. You get frustrated because you feel like you haven't achieved anything. Whereas if you just set yourself one thing that you want to achieve in, in 15 minutes or talk about um, and do that every week consistently you're constantly feeling a bit more like you're moving forward making small changes and actually getting somewhere um but yeah just uh, i just see so many people that like, just want to 
say everything all at once. And I know I was very, very guilty of that. And I probably still am guilty of that sometimes. But yeah, say one thing at a time and then get the response and then move forward. Also, if your people know that they're going to have that 15-minute meeting with you, then that thing that they're going to come and knock on your door and go, hey, I've got this, they might go, you know what? That can wait till tomorrow when we have our 15-minute meeting. I'll bring it up then. And so then you've actually freed yourself up with some time because they know that they've got some airtime with you one-on-one. They don't need to do it then. And you can even encourage that. Just jot down some of the things you want to cover, have this little notebook, bring it into the meeting. Let's just cover some of those things when we have our chat. And then you never end up in that cycle of like death by meeting or you dread every single meeting that you're going to have because you have so many and you're just like, oh, I'm not achieving anything. <laughs> yep. It's, I mean, the two big ones used to be emails and meetings were the killer. Now email's been replaced a little bit by, email's still there, but email, it's email and social media and, and all those other forms of communication are one big chunk of distraction and time sucker. And the other one is meetings. Meetings are still there. So it, it's just, it's really, it's just about, you know, if we can only achieve three things in this meeting, what would be the three things we would want to achieve? What's the outcome we would like to get to? Okay, let's discuss it. Boom, let's go for it. Or one thing, if we've got 15 minutes, what's the one thing? Yeah. I mean, a TED Talk is one idea in 18 minutes. So what's the one big idea we want to cover in this meeting so that we can, we can unblock something that's bottlenecked up and we can mm. get traction on it? And if, if you need to have a, a meeting, and, and by the way, if the thing gets resolved in eight minutes, end the meeting. Don't go, well, actually, now we've got another seven minutes. Let's talk about this other thing. Um, just, no, just end the meeting, have another meeting for the other one. Uh, that sounds a little bit inefficient, um, but what it allows people to do is go and implement and then get back on track. So Definitely more effective, for sure. And um, there's a train of thought. My mind's just gone blank now. Um, but yeah, we were talking about uh, meetings and, and doing that as well. And talking about one thing, what, one of the things that really helped me with that, focus on one thing, because I was very guilty of it before, there is a book called The One Thing, which I highly recommend that anybody reads because it definitely transformed how I do things. Um, and I do recommend that quite a lot as well. Mm. I mean, basically, to save you reading the book if you don't have time because you, you're doing 20,000 things, the, the key thing is, what is the one thing that if we did that or eliminated that now, it would make a lot of other things irrelevant or, or fixed down the line. So what is that big one thing that if we're going to do that, that's going to make a big, the biggest difference in our productivity in our day. And then focus on the, the thing that's going to make the biggest difference, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm doing that a lot in mine at the moment because, because I have a 15 week old baby and I'm trying to balance having a bit like sort of bringing a baby up whilst trying to keep my business going, my podcast going and all these things. It's like, I have to ask myself, uh, what is actually going to make the biggest difference in my business right now? Um, you know, do I have to do it or can it wait? And then just sort of like use that. And then every day as well, what one thing can I achieve today? Even if it is get out of bed, <laughs> which some days <laughs> is a challenge. Yeah. 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 But especially if you've been up all night with the baby, uh, the, the, look, the other thing, this is something that I've just started doing today, actually, So, you, um, where I was just like, how can I gamify my activities? Um, and when I mean gamify it, I mean, how, how do I make it kind of fun like this? When you, I work in my own business. Today, I was having website challenges and all this sort of stuff. But one of the things that I was looking at with my emails 
and I got rid of one program, which then put all my emails into my inbox. Every email was just landing in this thing, and I was like, good grief, the, the, the amount of crap I get in my emails. So now, now I've got this new rule, which is, and it's like a, it's like a ticket off. I've got, to, I've got to unsubscribe from 20 emails each day. Each day? Wow. <laughs> So I'm going to look. I'm going to look at it and go. I wish I'd stop getting. Instead of just going, I wish I'd stop getting all this stuff. I can then make a decision to go. I'm going to stop getting all this stuff. But by which one of these that I can, when I'm scanning it, can I just unsubscribe from? I don't know how they got. I got on their list or whatever it was. I probably was on their website and I got some free report and I'm getting all their stuff. And some of it, you know, some of it's like, yeah, I don't want to unsubscribe for that. So I'm just going to put it in a folder that I'll never read. And then I'll delete the entire folder next, next year sometime. Um, but maybe I could just unsubscribe from. So, so what I'm doing now is I'm unsubscribing from 20, 20 emails. The other thing I'm doing with my, my phone is I'm going through my photos because I've got a three-year-old. And I also have 180,000 photos in Google Photos. And I'm just thinking to myself, when I die and I leave her my photo collection, it's <laughs> going to be like half a million photos of probably of her, but, but, but half a million. And at some point she's just going to go, she's going to miss all these great photos and videos because it's just too overwhelming to go through. Whereas, you know, in grandparents' day, there'd be a, a small shoebox with 11 photos in it or one photo of great-granddad, and that's the only photo we have. And now she's got 500,000 and no time to go through them all, and she'll be taking photos as well. You know, so, so then the next thing is, how do I reduce that from now? So I'm not putting in ridiculous mammals. So I've got an app called Gemini, and it's a cool little app where it just puts all your photos in front of you going, this one or this one? And you just delete, here are, the, here are the similar ones, here are blurred ones, here's stuff that we can archive. Here's ones where you've taken the same thing seven times, we recommend you keep this one. Good. I'm going to get that app. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah. I'm going to get that app. Yeah, it's called, it, it, it's great. And so, it, but then, and so I turned off the auto upload to Google so that, that I would have to go through it before it auto uploads everything. And then I, then I would sync the, the photos and it would do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's little things like that. I mean, I'm talking about photos and, and emails, but it's what part of your business can we turn into? How can we gamify it a little bit more? Even if it's a meeting, how can we go, guys, today we want to set, set a record for our weekly meeting and we want it to be under 10 minutes. Let's try and do this. Go. Okay, what's the update? Boom, 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 boom. We've got a timer and everyone's, it's, we're playing the game to get it under the 10. It's, it doesn't matter. The result of that, but it will help us create a new discipline. And, and gamification so is a really good way of getting people to engage with what it is that you're doing. So I'm having a look, I have an online course and I'm looking at ways that I can embed gamification into my online course to help people go through it, be more effective and kind of enjoy the process. I mean, my course is all about business development. You know, it's, it's the sort yep. of thing that nobody enjoys doing. Marketing and sales, great winner. You know, so how can I make this more fun to get people to buy into it a little bit more to then do it so that they can then actually grow their business? So, yep. yeah. Yeah, make things more fun, especially with meetings. Like, you know, how can you make your meetings more fun, more efficient, more effective? <laughs> yeah, and there's lots of there's lots of cool ways to do it. One one is you can have a silent meeting. So, I mean, there's there's weird things that you can do. So you all come in and you have a silent meeting, and you have to write up stuff on a board 
And it's just, it's, it's making it playful. So I had this one where we had a debate and, and we had the, we put the topic at the top of the board and we had two sides to the debate and everyone had to argue their point. <laughs> and you could see them getting more and more frustrated. When they're getting frustrated, they're writing like, <laughs> like this on the board. But it was, it was funny. It was funny that we were doing it. And then at the end, it really got people to think, what am I really trying to say? Because I'm going to have to write this thing down. And it's like Twitter, we Twitterize it. I think, it was, is it Bezos that runs a lot of his meetings on, on Twitter? Somebody did. I think you're Somebody right. Because I know that one of my old bosses, um, I think, didn't make any friends at the time. And I think she just turned around and said, right, I want everybody to tweet me your emails. If you can't send it in a tweet, I don't want to hear yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. wasn't very helpful because it was uh there were there were other things to say but i think that kind of it, it did get you thinking about how you can say things more succinctly get to the point yep. quicker um and stop rambling which then takes up loads of time yep true i think it was so Bezos. but i think it was him if it wasn't him it was the zappos guy um might have been the zappos guy I think he did shoes, didn't he? Um, anyway, it was somebody. I thought it was Bezos. But anyway, uh, one of those guys. It was, a, it was an os. Zappos or Bezos? But, yeah. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but yeah. But, but I'm not saying go and do the tweet thing because there's documents that people need to see and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, and then there were standing meetings where, where you just don't have a table. You don't have any chairs in the room. You've got a table. So everyone that was always my up. favorite. Yeah, and they, they just go, what, where, I want to sit down. I, I don't want you to be comfortable. I want to just get on with it and get out of here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of good. I mean, there's lots of different things you can do. Um, I know one guy here in Singapore, when you want to have a meeting with him, you'll go for a, about a three-kilometer walk with him, you know, because he's going to do his walk and you're coming along and you're chatting away and you're thing, and then that's the meeting done. And our so colleague of mine actually suggested the walking meeting and we used to do, the, uh, well, we didn't get to do them as frequently as we wanted. Also, we're based in the UK. So especially in the winter, like walking meetings weren't always doable unless you wanted to get soaked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. like, cause I think being outside and walking and moving as well, like just helped, helped you think more creatively and get to the point and then just do, you know, set yourself up for success when you got back from that meeting. Yep. Yeah. So there's lots of different things. I mean, that's about combining two things. Do the meeting plus, hence the 15-minute one. You're going to go and have a coffee anyway. Why not have the one-on-one -on -one meeting with somebody else, have a coffee with them, have a bit of a chat and go back? So it's just combining two things. It doesn't always work. I mean, I, when I lived in Hong Kong, I had a little tiny, tiny apartment. And it was only me when I, first, when I was there. Uh, so I met my wife here in, in Singapore. But when I was in Hong Kong, it was just me. So I had one chair, my television, I mean, uh, and, and I had a treadmill. So I had the treadmill right next to the chair in front of the television. And I would come home after a long day of the, the, the consulting thing uh, with um, a Chinese electricity company in Hong Kong. And I'd be, sitting, I'd be sitting in the chair watching, for the first four or five months, I was watching football, uh, English football, football um, in Chinese. And I was like, why isn't this in English? I mean, it's like, it's Hong Kong. They speak Chinese and English. And one day I picked up remote, remote control and accidentally pressed the button, which changed the language. And I was like, ah! But, but then I made a decision. <laughs> then I, and it was in English. I was just like, I can't believe I've been watching this for four months in Chinese. Uh, and <laughs> I can imagine it helped your Chinese if you spoke Chinese. Not really. I know, I, I know, I knew when they scored a goal. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but the, the, uh, but 
what I also decided was I'm coming and sitting down and watching the football. I could be on the treadmill. So then I decided, okay, I got a new rule. I'm going to be on the treadmill for 30 minutes. I can watch the football, but I have to be on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then I can sit down into the chair and watch the rest of the game. And so it, so when I said it doesn't always work, the upshot of that was I never watched any more football because I didn't want to go to the <laughs> There was, I, I actually had a meeting, it was an online Zoom call um, with a guy who he walked all day. So he set his treadmill, he had like a computer set up and everything ahead of him. And all of his calls and all of his meetings he was doing whilst just steadily walking all day. That's all he did. And I was like, it's sort of genius, but sort of weird at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of... If you're, if you're like <sighs> heavy breathing on a phone call with a customer, they may hang up on you. So uh, yeah, that, no, it was, it was like very, very light walking, very slow walking yeah. sort of I've got, a, I've got a bike that has a desk. So it's, a, it's an exercise bike with a desk top thing at the top. And I can, I, so I, sometimes I'm on there checking my emails and going through stuff. And because I'm so absorbed, all of a sudden I'm going, why am I, why am I so hot and everything else? And, it's just, <laughs> and then, I, then I look at the thing and I go, oh, I've just done 500 calories and I've been on here for an hour and a bit and whatever else it is. So it can, it's kind of cool. Um, so long as, you know, so long as, yeah, it's just one of my things. So different yeah. ways to make the most out of your meetings. There you go. It's about combining, it's combining stuff that's taking up your time. How can we do both? Exactly. There was one tip on email management that you were talking about that um, I've started implementing recently, which is actually really helping me, which is um, instead of waste your time reading emails or reading the same email over and over again, because you know you get into that habit where you read an email and you just think, you know what, I can't do anything with this right now. So I'm going to come back to it at a later date and then read it again and then take action. Or you read it again and then think the same thing. It's I think there was some report about how much time we waste rereading the same email by putting it off to something else. Um, so what I've started doing now is, is reading the email only when I can take action, even if that action is to then schedule something in my diary to say, right, you're going to respond to that email. Or you're going to look at this thing that was in that email and do that, that, that. Because um, I think it was Michael Hyatt that said it was like, what gets scheduled gets done. And that was the kind of big thing that resonated with me. And I was just like, yes, absolutely. If I put it in my diary, then I'll do it. If it's not in my diary, then I'll forget or I'll postpone it or I'll do something else. So I started doing that with emails. And it's actually really helping me keep track of my inbox. Because as you can imagine, having a baby and then trying to not work every single day, like my inbox was crazy. And I was like, oh, I've not followed up with this person in a while. I've not done this, this and this. And I was like, I, this is not like me at all. So I need to get on top of it. And uh, that, that's really helping me at the moment. Yeah. And the same thing, if you're running a business and you've got this all consuming project that you're focusing on, you're taking your eye off the ball with uh, emails and stuff like that. Same thing can happen. There's some other ones where you can... There's some services. One of the services was called SaneBox, but there's other services as well where I think even Gmail has some sort of plugin where you can send it back to you. You can delay it by, by four days. Like send this back to me on Monday. And so you, you type in like, you know, send this to Monday at timwade.com and it will come back only on a Monday or something like that. That was definitely something that set, oh, yeah, SaneBox, and then there was another one that I used to use years ago that did something similar yeah. to that. But, but, yeah, but I, mean, I found that you're still reading it and then doing it, so it, I think making an appointment with yourself is a really good one. We make appointments with everybody else. Maybe let's make some appointments with ourselves to go, look, on a Wednesday at 10 a.m., I'm just going to bash this out, going to respond to all these things or whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason why we're doing this 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 is because we made an appointment. 
Exactly. That's the reason why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, we were a bit delayed yeah. through technical issues, <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't happen all the time. So it's all good. Yeah. yeah. But just backtracking onto what we started talking about, like you were talking about a lot of your, your speaking and your consulting, you know, a lot of our listeners are consultants. Um, how did your speaking on stage help your consulting business? Oh, I mean, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to send you a video that you can either insert at about this point right now, (laughs) (laughs) uh, which has got Batman in it. Um, And, but yeah, it's a really nice, nice little video. Basically, look, when you speak on stage, people... uh, there's a couple of things that happen. One is when somebody introduces you, you going, by the way, we've got the guest speaker coming in. Uh, it's Tim Wade. He's a da 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 And they do the whole introduction. That builds so much credibility and authority. There's an implicit assumption of people in the audience that the organizers have actually done their research and picked the best person for this audience and this event. It doesn't always happen, but, um, but that's the implicit assumption that this must be, you know, this must be a, uh, the best person, not just, the best person we could afford (laughs) 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 or the one, the one that would do it for free or whatever, or here's my cousin's boyfriend. Um, You know, they're going to come and have a bit of a chat. It's usually like we've got this person in and we think they're going to add a lot of value. So that gives you enormous credibility. If, if you're at a conference and you are a sponsor at the conference, that's a little bit more tricky because you're desperate to get up there and flog your product. But what would be great is to demonstrate what is the value uh, is to demonstrate your understanding of some of the challenges that people have and how you've got some of those solutions. And if they'd like to have a chat with you, you'd be happy to. But here's one of them right now that you can easily implement. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, so when, yeah, when you're up there on stage, you're the, you're the authority. You, and, and if you're the authority, people are going, yeah, we need to solve that problem who can we think of that can solve the problem? Well, Tim can solve the problem because we've just seen him on stage. Let's go and let's go and meet him, get his business card and get in contact or whatever it is. And there'll be a percentage of the audience that you're going to get business from. So if you're running a small business, you want to be speaking at conferences. And if, if you're thinking to yourself, I would rather be dead than speaking at a conference. Um, that's only because you, you haven't been speaking at a conference more than you know, a few more times. Um, not everybody likes speaking in public and you can go introvert, extrovert and everything else. But Warren Buffett, he, he does speeches for 5,000 people when he does his, his whole thing in Omaha when they all turn up. I can't remember what it's called now, but um, they all turn up to see his sort of update. And there's, there's thousands, five, 10,000 people there. But he doesn't like talking in front of top five, 10,000 people. But so he doesn't. He talks to the guy sitting next to him with a microphone in front of him. And there just happens to be five to 10,000 people listening. So there's a lot of different ways to be able to do it. And the other one is we also get very caught up with what is the audience going to think of me? What if I screw this up? What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, not going up on stage means 100% they don't know who you are as the authority. And going up there on stage going, how, I've got something that's going to help them. I want to help them. This is going to help. And then you just deliver your help and they'll go, I need your help. And that's how you get your business. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, and by the way, if you hate doing it, somebody in your team will be great at it, probably. Yeah, because I, I, 
I was the same. Like before I started my own business, I was used to shy behind the person that was more uh, sort of technically knowledgeable about what needed to be spoken about or the CEO or the MD because they were more senior to me. And I always used to find excuses as to why I wasn't the person standing up and and talking. And when I started my own business, especially with video, because I didn't do video myself and I didn't stand up and talk on stage because I was absolutely terrified of it. And then as soon as I started doing it, I was just like, you know what, I'm a bumbling mess. But somebody told me once years and years and years ago, which was you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. So even if you mess up what you're saying, you are only human. So as long as you kind of admit to your mistakes, or if you just sort of admit the fact that, you know, I'm a human being, this is the first time I've done it, this is the second time I've done it, whatever. um, Then, you know, people are more forgiving because you're a human being, you're not a robot getting up on stage and and talking. Yep. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes a mistake is, is, makes you human and, and it's endearing. Um, I would avoid doing that. I'm really nervous. I don't do this sort of comment or, uh, or you know, I'm really nervous. This is my second time doing this. I would just go up there and just try and be yourself. And uh, so I've, I've coached people doing, um, doing presentation training and stuff like that uh, for many, many different companies. I've been the, the president of the Asia Professional Speakers here in Singapore back in 2010. Um, uh, I run their Speakers Academy, and I've been doing that for about five years. So one of the key things about helping people speak on stage uh, is if you and I are having a conversation now, so that's what we're doing, you and I are having a conversation. If I then go into sort of speaking on stage robot mode, it's not me. It's my perception of who I think I should be when I'm speaking on stage based on somebody else I've spoken, seen speak on stage. What I need to be me when I speak on stage. I, I can be bigger. I can be larger than life. But essentially, I need to be me. And I need to bring in, uh, and you need to be you. And if you're running a business, by the way, if you're running a business and it is super technical, sort of super technical stuff, and you just love talking about, you know, widget A, and and everybody in the audience would would, you know, would rather you don't do that. <laughs> Stick pins in their eyes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if that's if that's the case, then maybe get somebody to interview you the first few times on stage. So to go, so tell us a little bit about why this is a good product, and they and then you go, oh my gosh, let me tell you about widget A. And at some point, they'll interrupt you and go, so but what what widget A got to do with solving this thing? And then you'll answer their question. And when you record that conversation, you're going to start to pull together a speech that doesn't focus on widget A, that starts answering the audience's questions. And when you're answering the audience's questions, you're, cre- you're creating a message that is landing and that's not just a mess uh, or focused on the, 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 you know, the inner workings of the thing. I know quite a few companies that would benefit from that because like going to so many, I mean, my career has been very much trade show driven, uh, watching conferences, organizing conferences and that sort of thing, especially in, well, like very technical industries. And yeah, you'll have people get up and speak and you can see the audience completely disengaged because they're, they're like, you've gone into too much detail here. Um, so that interviewing style is so, so beneficial. Same for people talking on stands as well. All of the event booths are all talking about the, the technical uh, features of all of the products, not to do with any of the problems that they solve or anything that the market would actually be interested in or sort of draw them in. They've got to understand it first. So yeah, no, that advice is, is really, really helpful. Because I, I did um, 
you're talking about like not admitting to how nervous you were. Somebody did tell me that because uh, I spoke at a marketing conference in Orlando last year and it was in front of 700 people. And I literally have never been so nervous in my life. Like it was a three day conference. I didn't listen to anything else that was going on that whole three days because I was just getting myself so worked up about this speech. And I got up on stage and I did it. I didn't mess it up. And, you know, I sweated more than I've ever sweated in my life. Uh, But, you know, it went really well. And then this guy came up to me afterwards going, saying, oh, great speech, you know, but the one feedback that I'd give you is just to look a little bit less nervous and a little bit less, you know, sort of anxious about the whole thing. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for that valuable feedback. I've never spoken on stage to this many people before. (laughs) So I'll definitely take it on board for next time. But then he was really surprised and kind of, Uh, a little bit shocked so I think sometimes like the impression that you give can come across like because everybody seems to think I'm this raving extrovert and that I I love being in front of the camera and speaking but it's not always the case so I think it's like yeah sometimes give people a break (laughs) and be more human but you've got to do it and put yourself out there I, I saw a banking guy speak once where he had to introduce some product and he was and so at the beginning he was terrible. And at the end, he was terrible. In the middle, he was really good. Now, at the beginning, he, he, he was like, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm work for this place and I'm doing this and I've got this thing and uh, how are you all? And uh, so I'm going to talk about this today. And so let's get into the specifics of the product. And then he was like, <sighs> he was like super detailed and everything else about the specifics of the product. And then he didn't know how to close it. And then he was like, so, um, so that's the, uh, and, um, and he would say, and I'm all the time. And when I first started listening to him, he was going, and um, this and this and this. And and I started, I had a piece of paper and a pen. I started counting how many and ums per minute. I don't know why I did this, but I did. And and um, and then I would mark it down, and um, and I'd mark it down. At the beginning, he had tons of and ums. When he was talking the technical stuff, he knew exactly what he was talking about. And at the end, he had all these and ums again. The problem is people remember the beginning and the end of lists. They don't remember the middle. It's the primacy and the recency effect. So we need to start well and we need to end well. And he did the absolute opposite. You could tell he knew his product, the technical stuff of his product. He just needed to practice an opening and he needed to practice a closing. And if you're a technical person, a really great opening would would be or could be, you could either ask the audience a question, like what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing with this and this and this? What are some of the challenges that you've heard people face? Better still, you've actually surveyed them before your speech or you've got some data from somebody else to go, hey, we did, a, we did a survey of a bunch of people, very similar to you guys, about some of their key challenges. And they told us it was this, 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 and this. Would they be some of the challenges that you guys have? Um, you don't have to nod, you don't have to put your hand up, but just nod your head like really, really subtle. Okay, a lot of you are nodding your head. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that today, about how we can solve some of these challenges. And then you've, then it's immediately relevant because it's, it's drawn the audience in. So for technical guys, that's when you're saying the guys at the booth in these, in these big sort of expos, when somebody turns up, they go, somebody's interested. I don't know what they're interested in. So let me tell them everything. And hopefully (laughs) they can take the thing that they're interested in and buy my product. Wouldn't it be so much easier if you go, what are you interested? What's the challenge that you're facing or, and, and now there's a, there is an, an extra challenge to that. It's, it's, it's almost like a salesperson going in a shoe shop going, can I help you? And when they've asked you that question, you go, uh, nope. And when that happens, you have to leave. So then they move away from your stand. So it's, it's, 
it's um you, so you can ask other questions to to open the conversations like hey how are you, how are you liking the conference so you're a human being this and this and this right and so what was why did you decide to come to the conference what was some of the key things oh i work in this and i do this and i do that so then you're getting some information about them and you're going oh so what so do you guys face this challenge in that business or is that not not something that you guys really face oh yeah we definitely have that challenge it's a big challenge i mean that's exactly what this thing solves i mean so tell me a bit more about you know is that something whatever it is and then you get into the and when they go, well, well, so how does it do that? When they say, how does it do that? You're in, you know, you've got your, but when it's just like, uh, let me read you the brochure out loud. Oh, when somebody says, all right, wait a minute. They walk you to the brochure stand. They pick up a brochure and they walk you through it whilst reading it. Yeah. To you. Yeah. It's like, let me read ah. you my brochure. I'm very proud of my brochure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cause that, that's how I did it. I mean, I was um, marketing. I started my sort of marketing career as a marketing assistant working for a very, very technical company. And I had no idea at all. It was, we were selling laser scanning equipment to surveyors and I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was involved in all of these exhibitions and booths and things like that. And I don't mind talking to people. I'll talk to anybody about anything. So yeah, I did that. It's like, you know, what brought you here? What are your challenges? You know, what, how are you enjoying the conference? Who are you looking forward to seeing speak? You know, things like that as well. And then it was only when they started asking me technical questions or asking me things that I couldn't answer that I then had to go and get the, the technical person to say, right, can you come and help me? And then I used to listen to what they said. And then I used to sort of then recount that on social media and then, you know, in, in the marketing. And then more and more people started reading it and engaging with us because we were talking in their language. You know, we weren't putting them away by, you know, boring them to tears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's like the super technical guy writing the instruction manual is a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a, it's the, the super technical guy explains how it works to somebody who's going to go, is this, uh, is this right? Am I getting this? And, and then it's, so that's the benefit of having somebody interview you on stage because it's the same sort of thing. So what does that really mean? Does that mean this? Yeah, that's, it, it, this is how it works. Oh, wow. So it's, it's like this. And they go, that's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. And now they've got a great analogy to be able to tell their story. So, exactly. yeah. So I'm going to chase you for that Batman video because I am now very intrigued as to this Batman video being a big Batman fan myself (laughs) I (laughs) love it even better (laughs) yeah you need to drink more wine I think and then just do the voice and everything yes yeah (laughs) I haven't I've I've got my wine here I've I've been on my best behavior I've been drinking this other drink instead but uh, yeah we'll start on my wine in a minute I am impressed because you were doing this in your evening. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And the Batman video, as well as this, and all of the show notes uh, will be included on my website, which is charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. So just before we wrap this up, Tim, is there any uh, kind of words of wisdom, well, additional words of wisdom, uh, any insights that you want to share before we say goodbye and finish our wine? I... No, there isn't. But uh, but what, what I what I think would be would be really interesting um, is if somebody's listened to this point and has a bunch of questions, shoot them through or put them in the comments or something like that. And then Charlie, I mean, if, if, if I don't see those and, and you want to ping me on it or you want to take it, then fine. But uh, if you want to ping me on it, I'd be happy to answer some of these questions. So unless, unless it's, unless you're watching this in 2027, if you're watching this in 2027, uh, you know, I, I, 
Well, maybe I'll still answer your question. We'll see. Well, this is a running theme for this podcast. And I think, you know, myself and everybody that I've interviewed so far, you know, just wants to help, wants to, you know, sort of share their value, their expertise, their insights. So yeah, if you do have any questions, shoot me a message. Um, If you want me to pass that over to Tim, I can do that. Or using LinkedIn, that magical tool where you can connect with people and ask people directly. Uh, You can also connect with uh, both of us on LinkedIn and take the conversation there. Brilliant. Because that's what it's all about. A lot of people think that LinkedIn is just for selling things. It's not. It's for starting conversations, getting to know people, (laughs) building your network. Can't stress this enough. (laughs) Well, Um, that's how you connected and reached out with me. It was, yes. I saw you present. I thought, I want to know more about you. So I sent you a connection request and here we are today. Hurrah. Ha ha. Um, Brilliant. Anyway, so thank you so much. I'm going to wrap this interview up now um, before I go completely off uh, a kilter. And um, yeah, I will include all of the show notes on my website and have a great day, great evening, depending on when, when you're listening to this. Cheerio. Bye. When you're working on exciting projects in tech or trying to change the world, it's hard to focus on marketing and it might not seem like a big priority for you right now. Talking about what you're working on and the driving force behind why you're doing it will help you raise your profile in your industry and keep your audience up to date and interested. My goal for this podcast is to share the amazing things that businesses and individuals are working on that will shape the world of tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share it with the others that you think would benefit. If you liked it loads, then feel free to leave me a review. All the show notes and any links mentioned in today's episode will be available on my website. That's charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.